everyone. Welcome to our first official episode on the Healthy Core podcast. I'm your host, Laura Buggy, and with me, I'm joined by Tita Kish. Hello. Yes, and our lovely guest, uh, Monalise. Hi. Monalise, welcome. I'm so happy to have you joining us because you have a little interesting nugget on this podcast. You made the intro and outro music. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for having me and for using the music. Yeah, thank you for <laughs> offering it because I i mean, that morning that I reached out to you, I wasn't expecting that kind of an offering. I was just like, I was like, maybe she'll like make a little jingle or something, but to have an actual intro to one of your songs was huge. So thank you. Yeah, my yeah, husband was saying that it sounds like we have a, a real movie soundtrack, you know, yeah. it was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> It's interesting because around the last new moon, I really wanted to manifest a sync placement. And then I kind of like, it came in mini form and then today another one came. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's all, it's all wild. Yeah. yeah. Oh, congratulations for the other one as well. So yes, exciting. So of course we had some questions for you. And I'm always curious to ask an artist what it doesn't matter what facet they're in if it's painting if it's photography poetry anything like that I always want to know what their life was before their creative venture so what was your life before you started creating music yeah so it's been quite a I guess I could call it labyrinthian journey to this point and I really feel like every piece of the puzzle has eventually added up to this and I'm sure it'll keep expanding from here but um, I was always creative I mean probably the first musical thing I did was I always played classical piano like probably since middle school and for a certain period of time I really thought I would end up doing that but then when school finished and I had to pick like a place to go to university, I thought I would do something academic. And I really had my mindset on like one particular university. And I really thought that, you know, it would happen and it had to happen. And I was trying and pushing so hard and it just didn't happen. And then in the end, I went to a university that I didn't expect to go to, which was Edinburgh University. And interestingly, that was the place where I really discovered myself like as an artist not just somebody who interprets classical piano music, but as somebody who can really create my own work. Um, but prior to becoming a singer-songwriter, I did do acting quite a lot too. Um, and I also, um, like I paint, and actually I try to weave lots of different forms of creativity into mm. what I do, but it hasn't always been so coherent, I guess if I could say. It's always been like a little bit more scattered, like try this, try that, here and there. And now I'm actually kind of, integrating everything honing in on your craft that's beautiful (laughs) what would you say was the attracting factor to the music industry for you yeah so it was probably never the industry itself but more the act of creation and music it's also been the most challenging venture I've ever tried like actually um, trying to build a career in music so that's definitely sustained my interest for sure because it's just been a constant challenge and the path is not linear and it just throws so many surprises along the way um but also I just love how as an artist it's like music comes to serve as a chronicle 
of your life and your personal evolution mm. and to me probably like a journey to myself and a journey to meeting my soul so that's definitely like a huge attraction to music for me a nice way to put it isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah who would you say are your musical inspirations um yeah well I've always loved Kate Bush She's just like the goddess of music for me. Um, I also, out of um, artists who are like really prominent right now, I really like Sevdaliza. Um, I've always been inspired by like trip hop music, like Portishead, Massive Attack. Um, and I love um, the soundtracks to David Lynch films, which are actually composed by David Lynch himself and Angelo Badalamenti, who I think composes the music. And then David Lynch writes the lyrics and it's just such a beautiful blend. Um, so that's a few of them. I can tell that these artists are more popular over in the UK because Tita is like, yes, yes. And I'm like, I've never yeah. heard of these people. Really? So now I have to become familiar with them. <laughs> yes. Was there anybody you, you recognized or, or none of them? David Lynch, yeah. David Lynch, I, I, I thought so. Because mm -hmm. he's really popular. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Of course, yeah. <laughs> and... At this point in your musical career, what is the most important lesson you have learned from music itself? It's probably a few <laughs> huge ones. Like, I mean, I've definitely learned that it's my path and my calling. And, you know, it takes one a long time to really find their calling, I think. And I've definitely discovered that it's my calling or at least like a big part of it. Um, I've also learned that no two paths in music are the same and it's never linear and it's like your labyrinthian journey is your labyrinthian journey mm -hmm. and um yeah and that it's a chronicle of you like i said before that's also a big lesson for me so are you um doing everything yourself like songwriting planning your you know covers and everything is that a one man job I mean one women job I mean, or do you have some help so pretty much yes and it has been done that way before but I've also collaborated with people and at this point I have some people that I collaborate um, with quite consistently for example I have like a creative co-director for my whole Mona Lisa, I guess you could say like brand or project and we work together very consistently on like my brand narrative and the different projects that I put out um, but but yeah it's all very independent also if that's what you're um, part of what you're asking mm -hmm. like there's no label or manager or any that kind of infrastructure behind it it's more like I um, bring certain people on board mm -hmm. to work with me and um, mm -hmm. I do collaborate with a producer too, but I've also self-produced um, and co-produced with people. So it's kind of like yes and no, I guess. At this point, it's mm. evolved to um, include more people, but it hasn't always been like this. Just always good to know, you know, what is in the background. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sure. <laughs> <laughs> with, with all that said, what would you say is a usual business day for you? <laughs> So I don't have a usual business day. I'm super fluid nowadays. And surprisingly, you would think you need to like really rigidly structure your day to make it in this kind of like super uncertain, I guess, job. But I found the more fluid I can be, the better everything flows. So, I mean, I have a little morning routine that I do. 
mm-hmm. um, but aside from that honestly each day is different depending on what I'm working on like I could just be working really intensely let's say I'm making an album at that point so I would be working like really intensely on writing music or producing it or performing but there's also days when um, like I just work for my clients too because I also work as a songwriter so mm. some days I'll just work on like three separate songwriting projects um, I even have days where I just mostly spend on like reflecting and planning and strategizing so honestly each day is different <laughs> tell us more about your morning routine honestly like over the years I've really learned to embrace it and even kind of rely on it to ground myself and I really try not to jump into any kind of like hardcore work before I've done this so I definitely start with like some kind of movement every day so I'll do like yoga or go to the gym but just kind of like get my body moving because that really grounds me and especially when I have loads of things going on at the same time like my mind can get really scattered so this grounding ritual is super important um yeah and then I just like to have like honestly a really amazing coffee and sit with my notebook or my laptop and just do like some reflection or a little bit of planning like really before I dive into other external things I just want to sit with myself for a little bit and that really makes my whole day like if I do this properly the rest of the day it will go well (laughs) it's so amazing that you say that I think today especially with everybody struggling with mental health and you know think it's just so good that you say that as well it just yeah Mm. we can't stress enough about do your meditation in the morning don't scroll have your time it's beautiful and um have you ever had any anxiety you know before you know stage fright or anything like that you mentioned that you you learned you you, you've been trained to become an actress anyway so I guess you you learn how to deal with that do you have any Um, Mm -hmm. it's inevitable to have a little bit of stage fright or anxiety when you're just starting out like simply because you're inexperienced so you're just not used to being in front of people and you know like being vulnerable in front of people and like performing in front of people so I think a huge part of it just comes with experience and time and that's just something to accept even if somebody's a natural on stage um, which to an extent I do feel quite natural on stage but I've definitely suffered from you know like just not feeling in control of my voice even on stage at the beginning like opening my mouth and having no idea what would come out like (laughs) I definitely had like a turning point with this when I was graduating from my music masters and I was putting together like a full-scale graduation show a musical show and I was speaking to my supervisor and she gave me this great idea at the time about how when I go on stage um I step into like another persona kind of like my alter ego and I used to for example like speak in between songs and then I would really show people like you know my real self like not the Mona Lisa self but but the me self which is like quite bubbly and you know um, very like I don't know how to explain it but like just the me that you're getting to know now. And then I was like, okay, like, I'm not going to speak in between songs. I'm just going to have musical interludes and just completely stay in character for the entire show. And that really, like, changed everything for me. Hmm. Um, That's an interesting um, angle to take that I actually find really intriguing. Um, With having that kind of, I guess, interaction with your audience, have you seen a change in how they react to you if they meet you in person? Um, 
do you mean once I started like being more in character on stage, did people react to me differently if they met me in person? Um, There wasn't a huge change because by the time I meet them in person, I'm definitely just back to Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I definitely saw a difference in how my audience perceives the show during the show so they get a lot more drawn in like a lot more hypnotized and a lot more brought into this world which for me is great because that's my whole purpose is I want to take them into this world that I've created and into the world of their own like memories and dreams and even like past lives and you know like that's my whole purpose so Mm -hmm. for me getting them more engaged is like great that that's what I want (laughs) I definitely got a sense of that because I saw I watched some of your YouTube videos and one video was was of uh one of your live songs and I got drawn in and I got entranced in what you were doing and what you were saying and how you were acting and interacting with the crowd and everything so I was like Ooh, okay oh. like this is a, a completely immersive experience it's not just artist audience it's the whole mm. collective yes. experience mm-hmm. exactly and that's exactly what I was talking about in the beginning about how every bit of what I did in my earlier years even if it seemed random like now it's actually feeding into what I do so I think everything really happens for a reason and the different things we try ultimately feed into like who we are and what we do and um I guess you can see like how a little bit of my acting background feeds into yeah, the music yeah. now and, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah that's the thing it's so layered you know it's not just there is a singer on you know dressed up in a beautiful dress there's so much more into it you you know I I could definitely before I read your your uh, website I was like this woman must have been in a movie or something you know you can definitely tell that you have that acting background Uh, experience the creative block in your career and if you did how did you overcome from it so no I haven't and that is probably just to do with the fact that you know, of how I strategize <laughs> um, it just mm. in the sense that I really like I allow the music writing phase to be the writing phase I allow the recording phase to be the recording phase and if I'm having a phase in my life where I'm just gathering material for the next piece of work that's also fine with me so I don't really try to force it or you know, at least I've come to this place, like, I'm sure I wasn't always like that. But at this point, I really just let the flow, like, carry me to an extent. And I really think, yeah, like, some phases are really just for gathering material or for engaging in other forms of creativity. Um, And I think, like, that's something that can really help, actually, if people experience creative blocks, is just to engage in another form of creativity where there's no end goal or, audience waiting or anything like that like just to be in that um really intuitive like playful mm. state and just to re-stimulate the creativity again if you know what I mean um, yeah so important to understand that every journey is unique especially in a music landscape nowadays where you know there's like a huge element of independence you really can craft your own universe nowadays as an artist but like it's not easy it doesn't come in one day and you have to discover who you are and not only that but also to learn to execute that in an artistic form and then find your tribe who will actually receive your art Mm -hmm. so all of those components are like so important and they really don't happen in one day 
Um, so I just think it's like an important element to understand, I guess. And overall, what does your music at this point symbolize for you? Mm -hmm. So I definitely see it, like I said before, as like a chronicle of discovering myself and meeting my own soul. I also see it as a chronicle of building a deeper connection with my audience and actually kind of weaving them and their stories and their experiences into this like collective fabric of our soul if that makes sense like as a Mona Lisa community and maybe thirdly I also see my music kind of like as a portal into unseen worlds and um, nice. if people if my audience can also experience that then that's like an amazing feeling and gift for me beautiful and I'm going to play a single by Mona Lisa called Clockwork Heart <laughs>
So with the song Clockwork Hearts, what was your process for writing that? Well, this was actually one of the first um, like beginning of the lockdown songs. And I don't know if you can feel this like slight sense of claustrophobia in it, but that was definitely something I wanted to communicate. Um, I mean, there's like a lot of different threads that go into this song, but definitely one of the starting intentions was like to communicate this particular feeling. And there's this narrative in the song about like having this fantasy which is kind of like half Victorian, half apocalyptic of having a clockwork heart instead of a human heart, which, you know, on some level also implies sacrificing one's soul. But the reason I use this metaphor was because like I was going through the time, this time where I was just feeling everything like super deeply and I was very annoyed with myself for it. So I just really like couldn't come to terms with the fact that I was, yeah, like such a deep feeler and such an empath. And that was why I wrote this song about like, wouldn't it be nice to have a clockwork heart? That answers my next question, which was, what was the meaning behind the song? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was, that was basically it. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and your most recent full-length album is Hauntology. Is there a running theme throughout the album, or does each song have its own meaning? So, yes to both questions. Um, yes, each song has its own meaning, and yes, there's continuity and a running theme um, throughout yeah. the album. And the running theme is a journey through past and future lifetimes. More specifically, um, each song kind of like explores these uncanny connections that we feel to certain things. Like, for example, one of the songs um, kind of like explores why I had this connection to like the voice of Enrico Caruso who's an opera singer and um yeah so like things like that and actually going into that world and kind of like meeting these characters in the song um which can be viewed as a journey into past lives um or maybe by some people more as a sort of like hypnotic journey into consciousness but th those are the sort of some of the running themes wow and I you could, you could definitely feel how tangible it is Oh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> thank you um the hauntology is also the show that i adapted for the stage so everything was kind of like fleshed out theatrically and with props mm -hmm. yeah beautiful thank you <laughs> tita and i are much more of a somatic um energy between us which is like you, you mentioned earlier moving things out of your body in the morning and having some form of yoga and things like that. Have you explored Shakti yoga before? You know what? I may have done it at some point, yet I don't really register it in my memory right now. But you're familiar with what it is. Oh, but you, you can remind me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Shakti, yogi, Shakti yoga is more of a, um, a self-pleasure practice during yoga. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Wow, I'd like to learn more about it. Yeah, no, but I don't get it wrong. It's not, 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 not easy. I did one with Laura and I couldn't walk for three days after that. So it's not just, you know, oh very gosh. light. It's, it's yeah. yeah. It's pretty intense. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, you do get, wow. you reach a whole, a whole other depth of meaning and um, mm. person within yourself. Does that make sense? That's amazing. Yeah, no, it sounds amazing. Yeah. And as, as a massage therapist, let me tell you a little bit more about myself. I'm 
a licensed massage therapist for over 10 years now. And something that I add to my clients' contracts if they want to work with me is that they have to engage in some form of self-touch. Mm-hmm. And what are some different ways for you that help you connect with your own body? Okay, yeah. Um, well, the obvious one is definitely moving it. And for me, you know, kind of like a daily staple is either like yoga or Pilates or running or like a light gym workout. In addition to that, I also do um, pole dancing, which to me then is like much more of a creative and uh, creative expression, but also one of like strength and sensuality combined in a really beautiful way. Maybe another way I connect to my body is if I have like an ache or pain I really try not to just pop a pill and like tell it to go away, but I try to connect to what is it trying to tell me? Like, yeah, um, where it's coming from. And in some cases, even like explore it in, in depth. And of course, I will have to take the occasional painkiller, but like I, I really try to see my body as a friend. So if it decides to get sick or have an injury, it's, it's usually for my own better good. You did mention pole dancing a little bit. How are you finding that process? Like how... What was it for you that was where you were finding pain? Was it your back? I forget. Yes, it's still there. I I think I overextended a muscle in my back, basically. And and just, you know, my body wasn't used to all of those, like, new movements that I suddenly (laughs) started doing. And and then I, like, went and did a two-hour session really intense. And I think it was that that, like, pushed me over the edge. So Mm -hmm. I take this week off because my back (laughs) isn't healed yet. But maybe next week I'll get back to it. Um, So, yeah, it was just that really. What does it mean to you to be sensual? Because I get a very sensual feel from your music. Thank you. Yes, yeah, sometimes people point that out and I'm like, hmm, how did you pick up on that? But you mm-hmm. absolutely right. <laughs> um, Yeah, no, totally. It is very sensual. But, and okay, I guess there's two parts to this question and I'll start with the second half. So I think creative energy and sensual energy are actually kind of like, you know, they're, they all come from the same center. So for me, it's almost impossible to make music without channeling my like sensual energy into Mm -hmm. it because often the lyrics are like a little bit more intellectual but the music is a very primal expression of creativity so I'm not surprised probably even though the listeners probably hear it more than I do that a lot of the soundscapes and the melodies and um, progressions have that energy simply because it just comes from the same place Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and what does it mean to me to be sensual? I guess it means to be open to receiving all of life's bounties through all of the senses and to be able to be open to receive, like to really embody that yin energy, the receptive one. And that's something I really had to work towards and didn't really come like supernaturally to me. Um, but yeah, like just to be able to taste life, like, you know, through taste, hearing touch senses sensuality um like everything Mm. and if you think back for a moment if you can meet your inner child how would you speak to her Mm -hmm. yeah it's a really good question um i do actually meet my inner child sometimes and speak to her (laughs) um not too often but when i really go in deep and try to listen to myself and take care of myself it's like I inevitably also have to take care of my inner child but definitely the main thing I always want to say is just that she's like safe and supported 
beautiful i definitely like love to just light some incense and i also like i just moved into a new place and i'm really taking care to decorate this place in a way that will kind of i guess on a regular basis just stimulate me to connect with my mm. sensual and feminine energy because i want to be in that as much as possible because then i really feel like connected to myself and to my creativity so i really took care to pick like really beautiful um night lamps and just to create really like nice ambient lighting here and to get like my incense <laughs> burning and everything and to always have flowers nice. in the room like fresh flowers and dried flowers so all of that for me is like already like my environment already stimulates mm. to connect to that um I guess it depends um, <laughs> how deeply you're asking, like how how deep um, you mean I want to go into. But as deep as you want to go, uh, I'm I'm a sensuality coach, so. Uh... <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm definitely the kind of person that like I'll just have these lovely feminine night lamps on and like some incense burning, and then either read something or listen to like some. Mm if you know what I mean mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that helps me <laughs> nice it's all about the senses isn't it yes absolutely 100% <laughs> and do you feel more creative when you are like in this uh, sensual bubble does it inspire you a little bit more yes 100% I was just saying to Laura how I really feel like um, creativity and sensuality come from the same place so by nurturing like one element of that you're also nurturing the other and they're very interconnected um to be honest it's such an important message that i think it's it's a good thing to keep repeating i keep repeating to people that that's the the best way to to create and you know do and do do things and connect with the partners or with the self so it is it is beautiful mm yeah just working on Mona Lisa projects it also feels a bit like working like on a hobby I guess because it doesn't feel like work it's so much fun <laughs> and they're always <laughs> different so it's like sometimes I don't really need like actual external hobbies and even the pole dancing like feeds into what I do as a musician like to say something like big uh, Russian uh, writers you know because you have this uh, heaviness in your in, in a couple of your songs you know these big Russian novels Mm. Oh, you feel that in my music? That's cool. I don't think yeah. anybody has ever said that. Wow, I love that. Thank you. <laughs> well, I do <laughs> like the big heavy Russian writers too. <laughs> I'm not going through that phase right now, but yeah, no, I love them. Like, um, I, like I like War and Peace. I think I read it when I was 14 or something. <laughs> um, it's a huge. I think it's like three books or something. And I probably have that energy in me, just ancestrally and. Mm intuitively because it's the accent like nobody can ever tell mm -hmm. but i think you guys like picked up on my energy being russian which is very interesting <laughs> i just i can't get over how cool this impression is that my songs sound like the big heavy russian novels <laughs> it's great um thank you for that sorry so i was saying yes i do i, I also like the, the russian writers like love them and i saw that you're working with a with a hungarian artist yes um, Jofi, she's my um, like co-creatrix. Basically, we come up with a lot of my projects together, and mm, she's she so doing cool. my brand narrative. And are, are you Hungarian as well? Yes, you know it's the same roots. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Where are you from, Laura? I'm from Long Island, New York, <laughs> and actually, I I believe that I have a very transatlantic accent. 
I think I said that at the beginning or before we were even recording, um, because I grew up on Long Island. I never really had a thick accent. And then I've been living in the UK. I lived on the West Coast in California. So I really lost a lot of that thick New York mm -hmm. accent. It does yeah. come out every now and then I catch myself and also I catch myself talking in the Irish accent because I used to live in Ireland for a period of time. So oh, <laughs> wow, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and that will bring us to the end of our episode. So I'm going to play the song Wild Roses by Mona Lise. Unhinged. The television slips its hold.
Love it. Love it. Did you get my message that this song gives me chills? And unfortunately, we did lose Tita. She's messaging me right now. (laughs) Mona Lisa, it was a pleasure having you on the podcast, our first podcast. Very exciting. Can you let our listeners and viewers uh, let them know where they can find you? Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you guys. Yes, so where can they find me? So I have a website called monalise.com. I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, and um, all of the other platforms. It's at Monalise Music. So Instagram slash Monalise Music, Facebook slash Monalise Music, etc. And I am going to launch a very exciting project on Kickstarter soon. And it would mean the world if people would just follow my pre-launch page, which is linked in my Instagram um, bio so yeah (laughs) perfect perfect and my co-host miss tita has unfortunately been disconnected from the internet so i will plug her (laughs) you can find her on instagram at wine pleasure wanderers and also she has a website called winepleasurewanderers.com and my name is laura buggy you can find me only on instagram at laura d buggy And also we do have an email address if you would like to send us any messages. It's called healthypoorpod at gmail.com. Thank you very much, Mona Lisa, again for joining us. I know that today was a little hectic with (laughs) Mercury retrograde and the connection and everything, but thank you for bearing with us. (laughs) Thank you for having me. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you.